Hey, everybody, welcome to another Code Pen Radio. This is a great numbered episode. 333. Oh my gosh, we've been at this for a while. This is a kind of a surprise episode in that you'd never guess who I have on uh, because. They're a brand new employee of CodePen. In fact, this is day number two for Robert. Hey, Robert, you're here with me in the studios. Hey, Chris. Hey. Nice to be here. Yeah. And this is your, is this your first podcast, were you saying? It is. Oh, that's amazing. That's so great. Um, I know you, though, so we're comfortable together already because I've known you for years now because you live in Bend, Oregon, here with me. Yeah. We know each other through various things, probably mostly tech and our little like BenJS local meetup thing. Mm-hmm. We've been going to that for longer than I have, probably gone through some leadership changes, but we're back in town. It feels good. <laughs> yeah. You've got some nice clear air for a change. So yeah, that's like, that's what we talk about here in Bend. We show each other <laughs> our apps for tracking air quality. Yeah. We ate lunch. Uh, we walked outside today in the clear blue sky it was amazing so this is must be a bit of a a little bit of a whirlwind for you that's on purpose that's how every job is right you're like i'm going to show you the 500 pieces of software we use to run this company remember everything there will be a test you know yeah it's definitely a bit of a fire hose and you know it's always fun sort of seeing the blind spots everybody has when in terms of like the the information and knowledge about the the product and and company that you know just gets taken for granted that you know you always you always see a new with first uh, with first impressions. Oh, interesting, right? The things that were just like, oh, you just click, you turn the widgeometer to the left. That's or whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, or, or you know, this like, this term means this thing, and we've been using that term for you know for five years. And oh yeah, like, internal what? slang. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but can you think of one in the last couple of days that was like? Oh, some weird word we used or something. That... Oh, well, what was there was one in the meeting we just had, and it's slipping my mind. I'll, I'll remember it in a few minutes, like when it's totally in, inappropriate to recall it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, good. But you're, you know, you have a lot of experience. We're not, we're, we're hiring. You know, we hired you. We're so lucky to even get you at all because just you have a deep experience in tech. Period, and just you know, you've ran companies and you just know how stuff works. And I appreciate that, like. You know, we were in this last meeting we were at, we we're just like talking about different types of errors that could happen on a pen. And you're like, let's call them what they are kind of kind of thing. These are build errors and these are, you know, different kinds of errors just because you don't have our baggage. That was the perfect time to do that because it's like you, you're not now we haven't gotten too deep into the slang crap or yeah, well, forget I mean- what reality is. One of the things that happens as you, you know, as you become a more seasoned developer is your brain gets full and you realize that there's a lot of value in, um, in simplicity. You know, they say that one of the hardest things about uh, programming is naming stuff, the other being caching. But the, the naming thing definitely comes into play. And, you know, for me, like I've definitely gotten to where I appreciate, like, just keep things simple, call them what they are and, you know, and try not to have more than one term for, you know, for one thing. It, uh, mm. it just makes life so much simpler. Just wait till next week. We have a meeting on naming our cash. Yeah. So, it's be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's cool. So onboarding has been, I'm sure, like not surprising to most people, but that's, you know, this podcast is largely about like, hey, how about a little insight into what is it like to run a software business? You know, so, so that's what we kind of try to do here. So in the spirit of that, 
it, you know, the onboarding is not unusual. We're not trying to change the industry with our incredible onboarding skills and want to share it on this podcast. It's just, it's, it's what you'd expect. There's, there's HR like stuff like health insurance and getting payroll set up and that type of thing. We have like a checklist of software, like, oh yeah, we got to make sure to, you know, add them to our Cloudflare access group, you know, and even getting yep. the email set up at all is a thing. Got to remember how Google wants you to do that. Oh, what is it? Admin.google.com or something? Yeah, right. All I can never remember the, the admin interface. I was going to say, I will say the nice thing is that CodePen is using a very similar stack to what we had at my previous company, um, you know, in terms of like use Google for mail and, you know, the main, the main accounts um, and then like Gusto for, um, for employee benefits and yep. uh, you know and there's just sort of a standard stack there that um that's you know that's nice and that it was familiar for me so that was that made things a little bit simpler yeah there's no i don't know it's not jira and outlook it's <laughs> right <stuff>. exactly <laughs> so github for source code control and you know some the, of that stuff is really intentional you know like we're like we should do industry standard stuff and that mm -hmm. every time we kind of make that choice it feels good you know it feels like there's less friction and people get it and i guess this is an example of that playing out that you can pop on and just like have no trouble and we can just get to it because you know obviously we're not building an email client here you know we just need to have one yep This episode of Code Pen Radio is brought to you in part by Jetpack, you know, the plugin for your self hosted WordPress site that brings it all kinds of abilities and such. I was so pleased that they have acquired this plugin called the Social Image Generator, which I've been using on CSS Tricks actually to generate those image cards that show up, like, you know, in iMessage and Discord and Slack and. Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff, it's important. You share a link and it's like the image that goes along with it. I love having a customizable, really beautiful one that matches your brand and all that stuff. So that's what Social Image Generator plugin does. And Jetpack snapped them up, which I think is pretty rad because then it's going to be part of the Jetpack offering pretty soon. Not available just exactly yet, but um, but keep your eye on that because I think that's, a, that's just a tremendous offering for Jetpack, which already helps you with kind of like your WordPress site to social media integration perfect fit i think good job thanks for the support both of you and congrats on the acquisition i'm sure people would be interested in you know a little bit more about you we i can tell you we you know we are like i said we were lucky to get robert because of his deep experience there so what is some of that experience i think of you know every time we chat it, it tends to uh it could come up a lot, right? Because you've done you've done the huge, huge company thing and the small, small company thing. Yeah. So I've been very fortunate in that I, you know, I've I've worked for a, a variety of companies, both large and small. I mean, my career has basically been spent bouncing back and forth between small, like under 10 people startups and going to Fortune 500 tech companies. Uh, I worked for TRW Aerospace straight out of college and, you know, the other big companies since then, Sun Microsystems, AOL, Facebook. I did a brief stint at Google. Um, and in the interim, like between all of those, I've had, you know, little startups that I'm sure most of your listeners haven't heard of, <laughs> frankly. So, um, but yeah, it's been great. I had, I've, you know, I was very fortunate in that a couple of my companies have actually been acquired. That's, um, that's how I ended up at, uh, at AOL originally. 
Um, oh, was really? A, yeah, it was a company called IMAs that was, we did, did that back around 2000 to 2003. And we basically built the first generation of, of single page web apps, but it was on, you know, on IE4 and Netscape 4 instead of the, the stack today. So it was a very, very different space. I suppose. But how does that, was there, did Ajax even exist? Could you do a XML HRTP request? Or well, no, this is the short answer is no. There was, uh, <laughs> the, the, the XML HTTP request API was not a thing, um, but there were you know, you could kind of bodge stuff together. Um, there's JSON yeah. P and Comet, if those terms may be familiar to some folks, but um, it was just terrible. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, compared to what what's available today, it's, you know, it was like literally like banging two sticks together to try and make fire. Um, but, you know, I we got bet. it done. We got it done. We built a presentation app and a word processor and a couple other things. And, um, and we went on to do that for AOL. So we built their first web mail app. Uh, we did Net, uh, Netscape Radio used our technology, and there were a few other things in there. Um, yeah, it was well, cool. It was fun. Cool. Yeah. So little, little, little gets swallowed up by big, big, big. You know. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. You have seen a lot. Now. And Facebook is in there too, somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. So that was I landed there in 2010 um, as a talent acquisition deal with a startup that I was uh, co-founded with three other guys. It was called Zenbee. Um, and we, you know, basically our, our vision for that was to create a unified online communication. So, you know, email and calendaring and sh file sharing and Twitter and, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, Facebook integration and like bring all that together in one spot and, you know, provide the, you know, the perfect experience, which was of course a way too big a, uh, a bite to take. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, we did end up at uh, at Facebook, and you know, and that's that was a a whole other experience, which is, you know, I'm happy to talk about. It, but it's uh, it's of all the large companies I've worked for, I would say, um, Facebook is the the one that I would probably you know I would consider going back to. Um, I know oh, they get really? a lot. So it was a positive experience. And, oh yeah, I mean they yeah. they're you know you everybody has their opinion of them in in the public eye, like you know, good or bad, take your pick, but internally as as a company to work for as an engineer um i would say the culture there is better than any other company i'd been i'd been to um i mean one thing for example like the one of the problems that a lot of engineers have at large companies is just staying connected to the experience that your end users are having you get you, t you can be very insulated from that um and mm. that you know at, at at uh, Facebook, which, you know, even, even then was still a large company, like as an engineer, you were pretty much right on the front lines, um, just in, in terms of how the, the features you were implementing were, were working and, um, and, you know, and, and making a difference or not. So it was, it was really cool. Um, and definitely unique among the, the, the companies I've worked for. Yeah. So it sounds like it's important to you, but I wonder if, is it universally important that kind of, the things that you work on matters to people? That's an interesting question. So I actually, one of my favorite anecdotes is I, I sat down to lunch with some of my coworkers when I was at Google and the topic of like, why do you code came up? And, you know, for me, like I, I, in, in, in high school, I was like, I want to, when I graduated, I was like, I want to go to college, then move out to California and live on the beach and write software that tons of people use. So for me, it's always been, like, I like knowing that people are using my, 
my code. It's it's a it's just sort of viscerally satisfying. Um, and you know, I said as much at this lunchtime conversation with these my coworkers. But as we went around the table, I was just astounded at the variety of responses that that I got. Like you know, one guy was like, "Oh, I I love sort of the you know the academic problems, the really sort of abstract architectural stuff." Another one was like, "Oh, I like doing the user interface design." Another guy was like, "I like solving the bugs, like the really you know really, like really polishing stuff at the end." And I thought that was absolutely crazy because that's like the worst thing in the world <laughs> uh, for me. <laughs> I can understand so, a, a polish engineer. Though. It, it I, is, I, yeah. I mean, I, I I had tremendous respect for all of the answers. I was just surprised at how much yeah. variety there was. And was anybody like, I like to extract as much money from the internet as I possibly can and code this one way of doing that? Um, not, not really. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll sort a of go implied, out on a limb. Maybe and, yeah. Well, I'll go out on a limb and say that, that that's, that's more of an entrepreneurial um, personality trait than a, than a programming personality trait. So I don't know. I, most of the engineers I know have, or I've known over the years, come at it from sort of uh, more of a pure love of the challenge for, you know, however they define challenge. I like, so, I mean, that, that pure programmer thing is, is interesting to me too, but I, I just had D on the podcast while well, last week or a couple of weeks ago and to talk about, cause she does programming too for CodePen mm-hmm. uh, primarily, but also has this deep finance background. She has this right. interesting pivot in her career where she, she bailed on finance and came, not bailed cause she still does it for us, but just right. bailed on it as a primary career. And I, that was, I, I thought that was a really interesting, like, you know, I talked to her in, as one of the interviews and I was, you know, we didn't dive deep on that, but I'm definitely looking forward to talking to her about that because that's, that's such an unusual combination mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in developers, especially going from finance to, to programming. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's not like she got a degree in, in finance, but then never used it. Like she right. went into the, the career very heavily and did the finance. I mean, that's how we know her, uh, for w- working together at SurveyMonkey. But anyway, one of the things that, you know, now that she likes that because she does both, mm-hmm. that she can af- use that tool to affect the outcome of CodePen with both of those tools. It wasn't that like finance is just for measuring it, but now she can program and now that's satisfying because she can make changes and then see the results in finance. Eve, that's cool too. But she, you know, now she's just got multiple levers because with finance, sometimes you can like, you know, you can create a chart and be like, look, we're making money from this or that, you know, our expenses are high over here. But it's more complicated than that because finance involves like weird stuff like cohort analysis and stuff. Be like, oh, you lose people on the, you know, if they don't do this, this particular action on the fifth month or something, you know, and then you can point at that and be like finance uncovered it and then other disciplines fix it. You know, like maybe we can fix it with programming. From that perspective, like a, at the end of the day, a computer is just a really fancy wrench. Like, you know, like that's, that's effectively what it is. You can, but it's a wrench you can throw at any problem anywhere. And, you know, and if you get really skilled in how you use that, it allows you to create and build, build things for whatever your actual interest may be. Um, in, in ways that just simply aren't available if you don't have that skill. Like you, if you're, if you're not a, um, if not a mechanic, like you got to go and pay somebody at the garage how to, to fix your car and, you know, they're going to do what you ask them to. But if you really want to, you know, want like your car tuned in a very specific way that allows you to, you know, get down the road as fast as possible or corner or whatever, like you kind of want to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. 
And then CodePen, what an interesting, I guess we're a wrench wrench then, because if we're going to allow programmers do what they need to do. We are mostly focused on the front end, so it's a it's a limited wrench at the moment, but a wrench nonetheless. So most recently, then you know that it was this. I I knew you through when you were you had your own startup. One, I guess your fifth or who knows <laughs> however many you've done, but it was some, it was very out there. I remember when you talk, you I'd be like, what? you're scum communication with robots and all kinds of fancy stuff. But it definitely had captured your attention there then. So I got into computers when I was young. I started programming when I was 11. Um, and, you know, this was in the, basically in the early 90s. And I went off to college and I was like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get a programming degree because it's going to be a saturated market. Um, and I'm like, I was completely wrong, of course. But uh, my other interest at the time was um, robotics, like electrical engineering, mechanical engineering. Um, and I, that's kind of the path I went down. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I, I never, I actually got my degree in electrical engineering. Um, okay. but I never used it until this last startup with uh, a couple of other folks, um, friends of mine here in town. Um, we did a company called tend.ai and it was, uh, I'll try to keep this brief, but basically we started out, um, trying to connect industrial robots to the cloud uh, to allow you to train and, and drive robots, you know, over your phone or, or what have you. Um, and it turned out there wasn't a market for that. And so we ended up pivoting to do monitoring and analytics software, um, for, uh, you know, basically industrial robots that are used like in car factories or to assemble appliances, um, and in that space, which was, a it was a very different, um, very different world from the one I've, I've been in in the past, but, it also allowed me to kind of dabble in that, you know, that interest from that I had from when I was in high school and college. So it was a lot of fun. Fantastic. And it nurtured this other, that's just, I almost envy your career in a way. I've got to jump around so much and do just super different things. Has that been, you know, are you like a better programmer for it? Yeah, I would, I would, I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's, you know, I, uh, in some ways I've, I've been very fortunate to work in very different environments, you know, Google, Facebook, little tiny startups in, you know, in the Mm -hmm. Bay Area and in Bend. Um, But I've also, you know, for the last 20 some years, I've been doing, you know, I've been doing web applications. So I've had a very, um, my, the stack of stuff I've worked on has actually been you know, consistent, at least in, in that regard. But, um, you know, doing development at Facebook is very different from, uh, from a- what AOL had or, you know, or TRW way back in the day. Um, and so I, you know, I, I, I feel like I've got a perspective on, on what it means to be an engineer. Um, that's, you know, certainly been influenced by that. And, um, you know, it makes me really grateful for, uh, just for the, what I've been able to, to experience. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very, and very a fortunate. JavaScript, right? Like, oh, why yeah. so much JavaScript? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I actually got into JavaScript in, it was 1998. Um, and a friend of mine had this idea to build, uh, basically build Microsoft Office for the web. And, you know, he mentioned like there was this new sort of JavaScript language that had been started to show up in the browser. And he wanted me to take a look at it. And so I started poking around and I was like, well, this, you know, kind of allows you to do stuff and maybe we can make this work. 
Um, yeah. But at the time, I was like, I like, I'm not even gonna put this on my resume because like nobody's gonna give a shit about it about any of this in mm. you know in three years. I, I thought it I thought it had like a three year half life tops, um, and you know we. You know, we got into it and managed to make it work, and um, and it's it's just been growing. And you know, every, well, you guys you guys know how it works. Like JavaScript is now what like the number one language on the on the yeah. internet, or something. And partially because Node, though, right? So were you were you interested because Node, or like well before? That? Well, so I actually long before Node came along, I there was a certain uh, aesthetic. Uh, beauty to JavaScript, um, and I, I know like some people may raise their eyebrows at that. It's a, it's a controversial language in terms of how people you know feel it, the language itself is. But I really liked the um, I really liked the the un, untyped interpreted nature. Like it made it really easy to write code. You hit refresh in the browser, and like it's just running. Um, mm. So it was in some ways for that that very quick rapid, iterative um, prototyping experience, it was a great language, which was very different from anything else that was really available at the time. Um, and it was in a different environment. Like it was in the browser. So you could, like, it was a very visual experience and you had the DOM underneath it. Like you had a lot of the scaffolding already there that, to to make an interesting application um, and publish it to the web. So it was a very different environment from the traditional sort of, you know, like I'd done Objective C doing um, applications for uh, for the Next Step platform, which was the predecessor to Mac OS. Like it was just a very different experience, and and I really, I really enjoyed a lot of those aspects. Um, and I still do. I still think it's a you know it's a it's a great language. Um, yeah, I mean that's a big deal, right? The fact that it runs in a browser and is like one of the few. Right. Yeah. Especially that's really kind of considered a programming language. I yeah. know that's a little dramatic, but for real, right? Like it has all the, it has access to APIs that other languages just don't have. Yeah. That's and, and then, you know, deal. and Node, I mean, when Node came along, that was really a, that was a big part, a big missing part of the puzzle. Like, okay, I only need one language and I can actually start to deploy like back end you know, that's what I'm curious about though. Were capabilities. you like all over it? Were you like, holy, was it an aha moment or was it a uh, burn? Yeah, no, it was, um, it, I like when node came along, I, I wasn't a super early adopter, but, uh, you know, I did, um, I think I picked it up in 2009, 2010. So, you know, I was pretty early on. Uh, I actually, you know, I, I know or knew Ryan, uh, the node creator, um, mm. I had him come and talk at Facebook a couple times. So, um, it was a, you know, it was a small community. I, I got to it early and it was great. Like, you know, it's, it, it took a long time for large companies to be comfortable putting it into production. I think that's the one, mm. the one downside was you couldn't just go into a business and be like, Hey, I've got this great technology that I'd like you to use. Um, I, I actually tried that at Facebook. Mm. <laughs> well, it, now you can, right? So how does yeah. this change? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's matured and it's, it's, you know, there's just sort of a, there's a given timeline to that sort of thing. And you just kind of got to, you, you got to wait it out and give people time to adjust. Um, and I, you know, and node needed to mature as well. So, um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's great. Yeah. Pretty transformative to me. I don't, I have, you know, a different, slightly different perspective only because I'm more of a front end person. So when it, when the one JavaScript is brought up or brought to some somewhere else, you know, like, Oh, it works on the server now to me, it's just like, Oh, great. <laughs> now I can do stuff and I don't have to learn mm -hmm. anything. Yep. Which is well, surely a reason why it's, the uptick is so high because the front end developers can kind of re repurpose their skill set.
Yeah, I mean, the one of the things that I really like about the Node JavaScript stack, which um, which we had at ten. So the the first company I I actually worked at that had a full end to end JavaScript stack was was ten. This last startup, and one of the epiphanies for me from that was that um, it's not it's not so much that you can share code between the client and the server or the front and the back end. Um, it was that you have the ability to very easily migrate um, responsibilities and uh, uh, f- around your architecture. So, um, tend we actually had we were running JavaScript in really three places. We were running it on the on the in the browser. We had a web app. We were running it in the on the server up in the cloud. But we also had a fleet of uh, of IoT devices that we deployed in our customer sites. So, you know, we'd we'd have a little Raspberry Pi based unit that w- that would talk to these robots, um, and and all of that stuff was running JavaScript. And as you know, as sort of our experience with the system evolved, we were able to take something like uh, like a data aggregation um, logic that you know that would take data from the robots and, and compact it down to a size that was, you know, that we could actually store efficiently um, and move that from the IoT device onto the back end without having to change much code. Or, nice. you know, or we had a way of like, you know, of like we wanted to analyze and do reports based on that data. We could actually do that in the browser or, you know, or or on the back end or in the IoT device. Um, and it made for a very adept system. It was, it's pretty cool. And I've never, I've never seen anything exactly like that um, prior to this. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, you I mean, just the fact that Lambda started to exist and mm-hmm. where JavaScript was supported right away was pretty transformative. We make use of that at CodePen quite a bit, but other things as well. And that was one of the reasons that you're, uh, we're hoping you're such a good fit at CodePen. I'm sure you will be is because of that node experience, but also just, you know, architectural experience and lots of different company experience and all that. But we, you know, we've been moving to Go. You know, we've had some mm-hmm. podcasts about that. We hired kind of a Go specialist and Dale who works for us now, which is which is pretty great to have. Uh, but, you know, wanted somebody who wasn't afraid to kind of focus on node stuff as well as we get deeper into our our ideas for the future of CodePen. Sure. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And there's just going to be no, there's just going to be node stuff involved because it's unavoidable. You know, a new, if a new framework were to drop today and get all buzzy on Twitter or something, it would be node. Like probably, you know, or at least, yeah. I mean, it's certainly going to be certainly going to be involved. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, maybe Deno really, you know, and certainly some of the like, bundlers and stuff have been going towards go and rust, but, mm-hmm. uh, but the JavaScript ecosystem is there. The expectation is that you'll be able to write like npx install thing and it will work, right? So even if even if the like some underlying languages are in something else, they'll have figured out how to make it work in the npm ecosystem. Yeah, it's just it's, like the expectation. Yep, and that's that's something that I'm looking forward to. You know, just seeing how that evolves is just how the. Um, how the npm ecosystem expands to embrace kind of the the less traditional projects like you know there's you don't necessarily have to have a node or a, a browser js project to you know to publish to npm and i don't know no not really but as last i've heard from them they're like they don't really have a any particular interest in expanding languages but <laughs> stuff changes that's yeah. for sure uh, that's cool. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me, Robert. I'm, um, welcome to CodePen. You yeah, know, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to grab me a more times as we build, 
build more stuff and then we can talk about the stuff that we build because that's the other thing we do on this so all right see you later awesome thanks man Zero, three, one, eight.